the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in me eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhood we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks, and welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Um, thanks for being here with us another week. Um, we are so excited. We are actually going to be talking about our young men today and uh, ways that we can engage them and support them as they moved into their place of healing and complete restoration. And we've got some great guests that are going to be talking with us about that. But uh, uh, before uh, we get started, I just wanted to mention Miss Benita Hopkins will be joining us shortly. She's, uh, she's actually uh, at a meeting related to this topic at the moment, but she'll be joining in our second segment. And as you all know, she's my partner in justice. And of course, I'm Vanessa Russell. And I'm so grateful to be here today with our special guest. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Reverend Harry Williams. Uh, Reverend Harry is a minister, a social activist, an author, and an urban ministry consultant uh, who works in the Bay Area. Um, thanks so much for being on the radio today, uh, Reverend Harry Williams. It's quite an honor, and I thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> awesome. Well, and then we also have, I'm so excited to announce, we have actually brought on a new program manager for our Men Up Men's Services program, and, and we couldn't be happier um, with Les Higashi, who's been volunteering with Love Never Fails for many years. Welcome, Les. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified. I know. But, <laughs> and you should be, yeah. as you should be. But, I, yeah, I love my love never fails family. Yes, and we love you. So um, we're going to be talking about the, the, this whole notion of our young men. Um, many, many times our young men, um, especially I think in urban communities, have been villainized and sort of painted into this corner um, uh, as exploiter, as, as a pimp, as criminal. Um, um, and and really, we haven't taken the time to sort of peel back what's going on with them. Uh, what you know, what, how did they get where they are, and what are some of the things that we can do um, proactively, right, early on in, in their lives to prevent some of those behaviors from um, from cultivating, uh, from developing, and also what can we do as an from an intervention standpoint? And so, um, and, and then not just looking at our young men that may be um, involved in exploitation or in some criminal behavior. 
behavior, and that's part of the story, but also looking at people that, uh, you know, men, you know, adult men um, and young men that are partaking in exploitation um, and creating sort of that demand, which we know we need to take a look at as well. And so it's really, um, really uh uh, you know, a multifaceted issue. And I'm so grateful to have two experts that we can pull into this conversation and kind of get their insight. But before we dig into that, let me just ask, um, let me just start off with you, Reverend Harry. Uh, I'd love to hear and uh, just have you share with the listening audience. How did you get started in, in this fight for freedom? Well, that's, that's, um, I'll, I'll try to put that in. It, it actually comes down to two different incidents that happened. I was uh, I wrote a book called Straight Out of East Oakland that uh, that came out in 2008, and one night I was uh, doing a outreach about an event that I was going to have at a at a bookstore, and a young lady uh, and I engaged in a conversation. And I invited her to come up to uh, to this gathering, which would would happen the next Saturday evening, and so. Uh, we it was um, it was a beautiful event. We had uh, soul food there. I had the choir from Allen Temple Baptist Church. My home church was there, and, and I began to read uh, portions of the book. And I must have read something about human trafficking. And in the, and when we had the Q and A session, people asked different technical questions about the streets of Oakland and how young people get caught up in gang life. And this young woman who I met in the streets stood up and said that I'm caught up in human trafficking. I'm mm. caught up in the game, and I need to be released. And mm. it's, this was not a church service. This was at a, at a Barnes & Noble's bookstore. And so we were able to pray with her, to counsel her, and, and to really provide some real help for her. But it showed me the pervasiveness of human trafficking in the community. Yes. After that, I wanted to write a book about, um, about human trafficking, and I met um, a young lady named Nola Brantley. And she began, and I told her that I lived in a community yeah, where I, yeah, she, I told her I lived in a community where I saw young girls who were, who were up and down this one a few streets close by me. And I said, when I'm out there, what am I looking at? And she painted a picture for me that left my jaw slack. Mm. I never realized that human trafficking, that slavery existed to the extent that it does in the 21st century. And it was about, that began my foray into the world of um of abolition. Yes, yes, yes. And 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 it's chilling, right? Once you gain access to the to the reality of 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 the torture, right? And the horrific yes. acts that are committed. Uh you know, in speaking, I've mentioned this on the show that we we're still looking for a now 13-year-old. She's actually turned 13 um while being out there and uh, we're still looking for her and uh you know, each time that she's come out, it's um, become clear to the family and you know, and and we've heard that the reality of being safe is actually traumatic for someone who has been so unsafe. Mm. Wow. Yes. And so it actually triggers, if you can believe this, coming into the reality of the warm touch of your mom and in a warm bed where you don't have to flinch and look around or or you know or um the um carefree way in which you go into your closet and take your clothing out. Mm. It oh. actually triggers the child to want to go back because it's too much to actually know that nine or 10 men, grown men 
have taken advantage of me as a 12 or 13 year old child with no qualms and paid a hundred dollars to have sex with me and harmed me in this way. And, you know, an exploiter has beaten me and girls on the street have beaten me and I've gone hungry and I've, you know, I've lived in disgusting places that are dirty, that are unsafe. I've been robbed and you're going, there's no way this has just happened to me. And and touching your dress that you wore on your eighth graduation in your closet is just too much, Uh, you know. I love it when Reverend starts doing that. Mm-mm-mm. When he starts doing that, I know we're getting uh, into something. <laughs> chime in. To, yeah, chime in. I'm going to have to practice that one. I, I, I just can't do that. Ooh, it's heavy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Les, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this fight. Well, I was uh, safely uh, at a uh, uh, church conference, actually, and, uh, and I heard um, Francis Chan talk about human trafficking. And it grabbed me, it, um, especially when he said, um, and I am, I'm a father of uh, sons, but he said, if you had a daughter mm. and she was being trafficked, wouldn't you do everything you could to rescue her? Yeah. And, um, and it just came to realization that that was every one of these girls is God's daughter. And, oh. um, and we need to be able to... Um, get that mindset that we, every girl out there is our daughter and we need to rescue them. We need to do everything we can to rescue them. And he was really making the church, he was calling the church at that time. We hadn't been, you know, fully involved or knowledgeable about it. And, um, and uh, that, that activated me. God called me and says, this is what you got to do. This, yeah. is, this is something you have to do. And it's not a... I didn't see it as an option, you yeah. know, like, am I going to be on the board of, you know, elders or am I going to do this? It's like every believer in the church needs to be involved, needs to do something about this problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, You know, my activation was, you know, along the same lines. It's just like it's not a choice. It's yeah. it's 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 a calling. It's an assignment. And um, the deeper I get into it and the more I get involved the more passionate I get about it because God has just grabbed me on that side of it. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, because I heard both of you talk about stories from young ladies that had been exploited. Right. And um, and and so it feels like that's where a lot of us get started. Right. Where we see someone actually being exploited. And then we go to step two, which is who's doing the exploiting. And, and, you know, um, the majority of those that are exploiting um, these young ladies and young men are men. Mm-hmm. And so either buying or exploiting. And so uh, let's come back and talk about how, um, you, you know, you feel about what's happening with our young men and their involvement uh, in this in this uh, situation. So we'll come back. We'll learn some more from Reverend Harry and Les Higashi. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Reverend Harry Williams and uh, with our new program manager for Men Up, Men's Services, um, and that is Les Higashi. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we just kind of talked about how you got uh, involved in this fight uh, against human trafficking. And and really, it, it started off with a story from a, from a victim, right, from a, from yeah. an exploited girl in, in both of your, in, you know, your situations and certainly in mine. And and, and you know, I think I want to just recognize that you start off and you're at least for me, you know, I was pretty angry that somebody was doing this to my dance student. And I, I was kind of like, who's doing this? And I'm out for for blood, right? This is this is yeah. this is not okay. Um, but as I began to meet some of the guys who were exploiting some of the girls, and actually some of the guys that were coming out, and some of the volunteers that were coming to Love Never Fails that were buyers, I'm like, okay, these are like regular people that mm-hmm. are suffering, that are um, that are misguided, that are you know, in many instances, have been corrupted by family members, have. Um, have been led to believe that there are no other alternatives or that this is just the way of life. And so I'm wondering, you know, that that's where I, you know, and that's why I wanted to, you know, the original vision was really around um, uh, bringing together a men's services program that would reach out, do intervention, do prevention with young men and um, provide other alternatives, um, both from a, a job workforce standpoint and also alternatives to find love, to find edification, to be encouraged, um, not by just the, you know, the, the, the top dog gang member or drug dealer in the neighborhood. But, you know, I believed that there were men that could come to the table, to the plate and, and edify, encourage and build up and be role models for the young men, you know, that I was interacting with. And so um, I'm curious, you know, just maybe starting with you, Les, um, how have you made this this kind of leap over to wanting to work with men's services? Well, I think one of the things is that um, as I got more and more involved, I, I saw that there was a um, I recognize that men's culture is basically broken right now Mm -hmm. and that there is a disconnect a huge disconnect um with young men and older older guys and uh that there is no uh, connection you know there's 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 this lack of of um discipleship there's a lack of mentoring there's a lack of a father to a son and i think that part of that is because of the broken families and and uh the father's working so much and everything else like that but i think it's just you know, just the way society is right now. And as I looked at, um, and like you, I looked at the guys that I was going out on outreaches with and, and guys that were exploiters that used to be exploiters, the pimps and the, and the users and everything else like that. And their, their lives, even though they didn't, dis, they didn't excuse their behavior, their lives were trauma-filled. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had these lives that were either they were being exploited at one time or they were brought up in exploitation or they were physically and sexually abused as kids. And mm-hmm. and um, their environment was just horrible. And, mm-hmm. and I just, it just started to spark something in me that said, this is where I want you to be. I want you to be at that front end of the problem mm-hmm. is to address this problem by speaking to men of all ages that, um, you know, we've got to make, we have to turn the tide and we have to change the conversation. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how about you, Reverend Harry? 
Well, there's so many uh, things that that led me to the into this fight, and and, and uh, just to answer part of it is that um, I saw uh, the collapse of the church as an agent of witness in the community. You see, at one time, the the uh, the deacons and the ushers and the trustees of the church, the the members lived in the community, mm-hmm. and so they were, especially the men, they were leaders and they were they were advocates and uh, they were role models for young men who did not have a father or who were in struggling situations. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened is that our church is no uh, the church because of um, in the African American community. The blessing of the civil rights movement was that people we were able to leave the inner cities. Education allowed us the opportunity to leave the inner cities. Um, the housing covenants were struck down, so people who were prosperous and provided a certain leadership structure were able to leave the hood. Mm-hmm. At left was what we call we had something that sociologists call brain drain. Mm. And so the new leaders of the community, the people that were the most prosperous, were people that did criminal activities. Mm. And so you have young men who grew up in a home where there's no father, uh, and, and they grew up from the, uh, cut off from the greater fruits of the American dream. And the only people that they see who have money are people that do negative things. Mm. And and so um, without uh, without opportunities, um, even in, even in the, in the in the inner city, uh, if you live in you might live in the suburbs and you get to be 17 years old and you want a job, you can go to the local store and work. Well, in the inner city, those opportunities don't exist for you. Right. And right. so you're looking at and so they, so cut off from those and cut off from the witness of a church where people are coming out and telling you about Jesus Christ and that there's another way and showing you that you can not only be successful in the next life and this life, there's another, there's something else that's glowing in the distance that you, that you go for. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so that, that's, um, and the, then, then mass incarceration, mm, you yeah. have, um, the, the curse of mass incarceration has devastated the African American community. Yes. So you have so many of, of the men, the fathers, who are not there to provide protection for young women who are caught up, who are going to be lured in by pimps, but they're not there to provide direction for their sons. Right. So those those things, um, when I, I saw those things, they, they've really, um, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's so much more than people just making certain life choices. There are certain choices that are already made by society that make it easier for people to slip into that darkness. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, when I think about mass incarceration, uh, you know, that's another form of exploitation as far as I'm concerned, because it's privatized. Right. And people are making money off, uh, you know, uh, bodies sitting in in a jail cell. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of commentary and speculation to the, you know, about that. But it really proved true uh, when I saw an article about a state that was actually um, expressing remorse and um, just concerned that the number of, um, of uh, uh, people that they had in, in their jail was re- were re- being reduced. So the number of incarcerations were re- re- reducing. And so it was creating less revenue for the state and the state had remorse and they mm-hmm. were, they were disappointed um, I can't remember the name of the state. I, I, I can't remember if it was Miss, Missouri or um, Minnesota. I, I, it was. It was. It started with an M. But I, mm-hmm. I was just kind of. I was just taken aback that there wasn't a celebration that less people were being um, were involved in criminal activity, right. and it showed me the mindset of of folks that um, you know agree with that, which is that we would rather have these 
people, these animals, mm-hmm. these in, inhumane objects uh, in in this cage, so that we can keep our you know our money going, our flow, cash flow, right. then get, allowing people the liberty that that they deserve as as children of God. Um, wow. So, um, so just thinking a bit about those, you know, so, so the, you know, the exit of those role models, right. And, and, uh, you know, when I think about it, I grew up in San Francisco in a not very good area. Um, and all I could think about was getting out of that. You know, I grew up single mom, high poverty on welfare, the whole nine. And, um, you know, even at one point in foster care and, and, um, so I, I, I dreamt of having a place where it was peaceful, where I, I w- wouldn't worry about my child, uh, maybe not as heavily, I still worry about it, but, you know, my child being groped on the, on the bus mm-hmm. and, and um, being, you know, verbally harassed every, all the way down the street and gunshots and, you know, uh, being robbed uh, as you're walking home from the store. And those, those, these are realities that are, that are, you know, exist in some of these places where people were exiting. When we come back, I want to talk about, I just kind of want to take what you just mentioned, um, Reverend here about, you know, sort of that balance between living in the community and, and, and bringing light to that community at the same time, that, that struggle of wanting to have safety for yourself and for your mm-hmm. children. And, and then I, I, you know, I want to get back to this topic of how we actually make a difference now that we know what we know, how do we start to address some of this with our young men and, um, and, and infuse some of that much needed, um, you know, positivity and encouragement and those actionable um, behaviors and, and resources and opportunities in, in some of these places where nothing is left. We'll be right back and we'll hear from Reverend Harry and Les Higashi. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're just having a very rich conversation about, you know, the way that we perceive one another based on how we present, based on, uh, you know, maybe our accent or uh, the way we look. And um, just an interesting kind of uh, step in that direction. You know, when we think about uh, the folks that are being, you know, that are 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 exploiting uh, others, mm. right? And and some of the stereotypes that are out there uh, in terms of, you know, is it is it an African-American male? Is it someone with redlocks and gold teeth and that kind of thing? I think that's a stereotype that oftentimes we, the news gravitates for, towards and, and, um, and many, you know, many people sort of um, uh, look to that kind of persona or that kind of look and say, hey, you know, this, this has got to be someone who's involved in this. But interestingly, I, I went to a conference recently in LA and um, one of the uh, lead FBI officers um, showed a picture and he showed a, a woman, a, a small um, a Vietnamese woman and uh, a guy, uh, African-American guy with, um, you know, with uh, dreads and, you know, gold teeth. And then uh, this, this white guy who had on a suit and he said, which one of these is the exploiter? And, you know, people yelled out which one they thought. And most of them said the African-American dude. And, and, uh, and he said, actually all three of them are wow and and he said and the woman the little vietnamese woman is actually the worst perpetrator of them all 
And and it was very um, just eye opening about some of those stereotypes and and um, and so it, again, just kind of bring coming back into that being said, right? Statistically speaking, um, when we look at the number of arrests that are being done, um, uh, you know, of exploiters and of buyers, the majority of those arrests and of those warnings, if you will, are being issued to men. And so, when you think about how we can actually um, make a difference here um, in this fight with men in particular, how do you think we can, um, you know, influence? either young men who are, are being groomed for this or, you know, other men that are, are actually buying, uh, watching pornography where someone's being exploited behind the screen or buying an actual um, a person uh, for an hour or, or a night. How, how might someone I- intervene um, in the life of someone who's a buyer or an exploiter and, um, and, and make a difference? Any thoughts on that, Les? Well, for um, I think one of, one of the things is that realization is that um, education and realization awareness um, of the of the exploiter, the buyer, who what damage he's doing, and usually um, when they go through it, they're in this massive denial, or they're in this uh, thing where they get into this um, um, place where they believe that the person is doing it willingly. Mm. And that he's just a customer to a to a willing uh, seller, and I think that that one that's one of the things that have to happen. And also for our um, the way men look at women, mm-hmm. you know, and the way we teach our um, our young men how to look at you know what what how to treat a woman, mm-hmm. you know what what being respectful to a woman is mm-hmm. is I think it's it's you know um, it's been skewed. It's still been skewed. I mean, I I thought that it was, in fact, in some ways, I thought it it's it's gotten worse because mm-hmm. I think that the objectification of of women have gotten worse than in the last ten fifteen years than it was, uh, you know, that that long ago. You know, and I thought that back then that it would get better, but yeah. I think that one of the things is that um, more and more to look at a a woman as an as a commodity. And not as a person mm-hmm. um, allows for people to exploit. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Reverend Harry? Mm, well, so, uh, one of the things that you, we have to reach young young men, young boys at, at a young age mm-hmm. because it's so pervasive. Um, you, you know, hip hop culture has taken over the world, uh, and and I have no problem with that because I'm I'm a I'm a rapper and I've been since I was a kid. So, um, but hip hop culture has been taken on a certain negativity that uh, that promotes the promotes human trafficking, uh, especially if in the Bay Area. The most famous rapper here is is too is uh, in Oakland is too short the pimp. Mm-hmm. So, so you have um, a world where that's a kid is going to grow up listening to his music like nursery rhymes. We have to find a way to reach young kids. The kid, I'm talking about kids seven to eight years old. We mm-hmm. have to rethink what Sunday school is. Mm-hmm. Because Sunday school is, is become divorced from real life, uh, so we have to find unique ways to uh, to help kids to understand uh, the role of a man, uh, the the role of of uh, of what, what couples, what happens in a family. Because you have such brokenness in the family, and then you have the kids without a father. Then you've got this music that tells people that um, that it's sorry. Then you've got the collapse of the economic system. So young people in Oakland say have a saying, and it goes pimping and hoeing. Is the best mm. thing going right? 
Yeah. So you, what you have to do is you're going to have to reach young people. And then the reality is in a place uh, in a place like Oakland is that it's so pervasive that if you grew up seeing it from the time you, were, you could talk, it's hard to make people understand it, the wrongness of it. Right. So, so the so um I, I was speaking once to a group of young people uh, at a at a school and a young woman interrupted me. I was speaking about the horrors of human trafficking and she said, "Hold it right there, Rev. Let me holler at you for a second. She said, "When you talk about these young girls who get caught up in it, every single one of them grew up in a community where this where human trafficking existed. Mm-hmm. They all understood what it was mm-hmm. because they grew up seeing it. Right." But we have to be. We have to create avenues where people can see that there's another pathway. Different things. You see, mm-hmm. in spirituality, what we do is we divorce certain things from real life. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to. We have to say for these young men, we have to create other options for them. We have to do it at, at a young age. Before um, there was a pimp. There was a guy's name was Iceberg Slim. Mm-hmm. Iceberg Slim wrote a book called um, Iceberg Slim: The Story of My Life, and he was a pimp. But he didn't start out that way. He started out as a straight-A student, and he said something that really struck me. He said that there was never a pimp who had a good relationship with his mother. Mm. And wow. so um, he grew up in a in a terrible environment, and the people who showed him love and kindness and the people he began to emulate at a young age were, were people in the game, mm-hmm. people in the life, people who were caught up in human trafficking. So we have to find a way to be those role models to somebody that's young, because when somebody's growing up in that and they get to be 18, 19, 20 years old, they have no job skills, maybe not a high school diploma, it is difficult to walk up to them and say, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Go ahead. Well, I think, too, is the buyers that come from, they don't come from Oakland. They mm-hmm. come from the suburbs and, you know, the professional men and, 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 um, They've had not the, you know, life that um, an inner city kid would have. And they've had maybe a lot of them have had privileged lives. So when they come in, those they, the buyers have to be educated. The buyers have to be known. You know, there is a um, pervasiveness in, in our society today of porn addiction and 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 things like that that is is really just kind of it's it's a disease that's ra- that's ravaging our men's culture you know yeah. and there's so much addiction to it and i think that there's a direct connection between pornography addiction and trafficking i totally agree Very and true. it Very was true. A, it, I, we actually had a we went to a youth fair recently and um youth and parent fair and um one of the youth raised her hand probably she was probably around 18 or 19 and she said you know i don't understand what the big deal is if you watch pornography and you masturbate she said uh you know i know that's not you know okay in the church or Mm -hmm. by biblical standards but like at least you're not hurting anybody physically you know Mm -hmm. what's the big deal and uh you know my response was okay well i kind of get what you're what you're saying right in terms of you're not physically harming anyone directly, but uh, consider that the person that you're watching is probably an exploited person. And if they don't believe they're exploited, they probably were exploited at some point in their life and or sexually abused or abused, Mm -hmm. which led them to believe that this is this is kind of what their their calling is and what they're supposed to be doing. And when I said that, you know, that you're actually contributing to people like that being used in that way for your own personal gratification, if nothing more, 
if it's not by biblical or spiritual standards, just to, just knowing that, um, is it is it enough to make you kind of think again, to think twice? And and she was just like, yeah, you know. So it's an interesting um, discussion. Um, when we come back, I'd like to talk about some actual things that we're doing that are happening to curtail demand and also um, to work with inner city kids. Um, and so um, we'll come right back. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with our program manager for Men Up, and that is Les Higashi and Reverend Harry Williams. And we are going to be diving into some of the actual things, the activities and uh, strategies that are uh, in play in order to address this issue of um, exploiting and also of um, of buying um, a you know human, modern day slave, um, and so uh, one of the things that is is very interesting to me is that there's a lot of work being done to um, do some awareness uh, raising of awareness and intervention online, um, and I know less you're involved in some some application development mm-hmm. progr- projects. And we won't be too specific, but just projects that um, will actually set are setting up honeypots in various. Um, uh, places on the on the net um, that basically interface with a buyer as they are attempting to buy a child or someone right. who's very young. Right. Um, and and for those of you who are listening, when ads online ads say I'm 18, they usually mean I'm 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, or when they say very young, um, young adult, it usually means I'm I'm 13, I'm 14. Mm-hmm. And so when people are buying um, folks like that or just anyone. Uh, there is there's this whole technology um, strategy to basically redirect those behaviors, raise awareness from, of the buyer and say, hey, did you know that you're purchasing a child? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that the people that are on, you know, that are being sold here usually aren't here because they want to be right? This is going back to your comment about denial. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, it's um it's one of those things where the uh, online, the internet is the new track, right? Yeah. Is that what we see in the street is a tip of the iceberg. Right. You know, and so I think that one of the things is that um, the people that are getting into the fight now is the the high tech guys. You know, we're, we're right in the, you know, the midst of the Silicon Valley, you know. And so, like, young guys that are being aware of this problem, they're saying, hey, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of them are starting to... Um, think about ways to intervene mm-hmm. um, in the purchase of human beings online. Yeah, and so there's uh, several things that are going on, and, and one of them is to um, try to intervene at the point of purchase. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, there's 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 a lot of different um, places where you can still purchase. I mean, Craigslist, yes, the uh, escort services were locked down but you can still see some of the ads on the on the massage um sections and things like that and and back page and and there's probably you know 10 or 20 that i don't even know about yeah Mm -hmm. so there is going to be an intervention on that part of it is to figure out ways to intervene on in those and uh, and that's an exciting part of it is that to be able to 
uh, reach out to guys mm-hmm. at the point of purchase and to say, hey, make them aware. And if they want to, um, offer them resources. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that because it's preventative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that has troubled me when we had a first-time offenders um, uh, group, I, I believe mm-hmm. it was in San, San Francisco County at one point. Um, uh, yeah, Sage was a facilitator of that before um, before mm-hmm. they closed. And I had some consternation. I know Alameda County was not really in support of that mm-hmm. because of the way that, that they would um, basically give them a, tif- a ticket, almost like a traffic mm-hmm. ticket. Mm-hmm. And um, and they would be allowed to come and pay, you know, 100 bucks for mm-hmm. a class and come for, I don't know, four to eight hours, right. pay 100 bucks and walk away and not have nothing on their record. And I'm I'm thinking, wait a minute, you just raped a 12-year-old girl right. and you got a, a, a traffic ticket? That yeah. is, doesn't he, like, like, I'm having a harder time getting this traffic ticket off of my record, this moving mm-hmm. violation, than you've yeah. had for raping a child. And yeah. that didn't sit well with me. And oh. I, I know that there's some talk about bringing that back. And it's because um, there's a belief that if you get some survivors in front of buyers, mm-hmm. That you can raise their awareness and they won't do it again. And I appreciate that. But I, what I like even better is getting online at the point of purchase right. and yeah. saying, don't do this. Right. This right. is a kid. This is someone who doesn't. This is rape. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you can hear this, you know, I, I've been involved in a couple of things. And if you hear the excuses, it's excuses I hear all the time Yeah, from men that I talk to. And I think that one of the things is that they've they've convinced themselves that this is this is okay. Right. They're well, how look, else could you do it? Yeah, they're just oh. looking for fun. Yeah. What, what do you think about that, Reverend Harry? You think that's a mindset of, of men that are buying? I think it is. I don't, and I don't, especially when um, there's a race component that takes place um, when people come from out of often come from out of town to to uh, purchase human flesh. And they don't see the humanity of the person. Right. Because if you said, how would you feel about somebody doing this to your daughter? And if they so they would, they'd be ready to kill somebody yep. to, as one of the relatives, but they don't see the humanity. So I think there's so many tentacles to this thing, and I don't think it's simple. And then when you think about it in the inner city, going to a young man and say, well, you shouldn't do this because this is somebody's, you know, I, and I, I have seen that approach to people. When you say, hey, you know, can you imagine this happening to your sister? I have seen people take pause at that. Yeah. But the, the, the level of violence that they see on a regular basis makes it hard to, to make people re- create a certain rationale that might work in the suburbs. But I think that, that um, there are a couple, there's a couple of ways that we can reach, young, reach people. One of them is through education. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a friend um, named Denise Jake, Seminar Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Jacobs, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has a, she does. She goes to schools and she does education around um, around human trafficking. Mm-hmm. So she tells kids, "Hey, this is what you need to look out for when you leave school and somebody says these kind of things to you. You know, you may be at risk." She tells parents uh, about what happened. You know, about the ins and outs of human trafficking. So she there's so this strong component of going to the schools, the elementary schools, churches. To mm-hmm. talk about the pervasiveness of it, especially here in the Bay Area, yep. which is one of the 13 major hotspots for the trafficking of children in the whole country. Yes. Um, so there's that. There's, And then there's the other thing is that uh, I wrote a book called Straight Out of East Oakland 2, Trapped on the Track. And it was about human trafficking. And that was kind of my way to let people know 
uh, to let people know about about human trafficking, especially young people in the hood, and to let them know that, hey, you know what? This is what you're really doing, and this is the cost that's coming to the community. Yeah. So sometimes I think we have to think outside of the box. And last, you know, the, my, my other point on that is that um, I'd encourage anybody to read the, the book, The New Jim Crow. Mm. by Michelle Alexander, which deals with the prison industrial complex, because the one thing that happens is that uh, human trafficking does not take place aside from poverty. Poverty and human trafficking are brothers anywhere you see it happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Where you see poverty, human trafficking is there. Yes, yes. In America, where there's a way to, to help people come out of poverty, if you're a church member, if you're somebody that works in Silicon Valley, if you understand STEM education, as go to the hood, go to some after school program, help help somebody before they get caught up. Yes, that's good. So, and, and, you know, just kind of uh, taking off from what you just shared. So as you know, we've, we're rolling out our statewide prevention program uh, called Protect, Prevention Organized to Educate Children on Trafficking. And people can find out more about that on protectnow.org. And that's a collaboration between Love Never Fails, Three Strands Global, and Frederick Doug- Douglass Family Initiative. And we'll be going into every fifth, seventh, ninth, and 11th grade uh, classroom throughout the state to educate at the, at the age-appropriate level about human trafficking and abuse. And we believe that by being in front of children um, more than one time in their entire 12 years and sort of creating a rhythmic interface with them that's age appropriate, we begin to teach them about safe people, safe choices, safe safe, um, uh, uh, places in the fifth grade. And then we go and we talk about sex education in the seventh grade and and how that maps back to healthy relationships and and, 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 and healthy interaction with um, with, someone you might be interested in, in and, and different types of issues that come up in the LGBTQ community or um, maybe in a family, a single parent family, all those dynamics come in on the seventh grade. And then ninth grade, we go into healthcare class and we talk about health and, and how, you know, drugs and alcohol make you susceptible and running away makes you susceptible and all the external factors, how those play a role in you maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Hmm. Um, and then in the 11th grade, the historical piece, including mass incarceration, including systematic slavery of different groups of people and how that's manifesting in today's culture. And, and we believe that going through those grades at, by the end of the 11th grade, um, the students will become modern day activists. They will be abolitionists and they will, um, and they'll be prepared to say no. Right. Um, and, and, and of course this is, it's not just about us. It's about us partnering with agencies that can provide job training. Like you said, can reduce the poverty, can um, provide mentoring like love never fails has or, or housing or, you know, uh, Mandela uh, Project in, in, in Oakland does some great work with our young men in terms of um, internships and Hidden Genius Project does some great work to um, um, provide um, that STEM education and, the you know, just a variety of different um, groups that we would partner with in these different communities to ensure that people, uh, you know, young, young women and young men are prepared to um, take a stand. So um, I totally agree with you. I, when we come back, I'd like to get the audience some detail on um, how they can purchase your books. Uh, I know you got a new book coming out, Reverend Harry, but we're going to take a break. We'll come back and let everybody know about that as well as things that are going on in the community. And thanks so much for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight 
Against Human Trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Reverend Harry Williams and with our new program manager uh, who is over Men's Services, Les Higashi. We are going to dive right into our events. But before we do that, uh, Reverend Harry, how so, you know, your books are amazing. Uh, I started reading one of them and could not put it down. And I'm not much of a reader because uh, I just don't have a lot of time. And so but I just couldn't stop reading it. So uh, I. I encourage you, everyone who's listening, uh, just pick one up. You you won't be able to put it down. And and how can they go about purchasing a copy? Well, we have a website. It's Rev Harry Williams. It's R E V Harry Williams dot U S. And and uh, there's a panel there that that uh, has my books. I have a new book that's coming out uh, next month, and it's called Street Cred: A Hood Minister's Guide to Urban Ministry. So I urge everyone to pick that up. You can read about that book on my website. Um, we, we, it's a way that people can find out ways that they can help in the inner city, even if you don't live in, in an Oakland or if you, you don't live in, in the Midwest, um, in Detroit, you can still make a difference. Or And if you do, if you're a minister, a sure somebody that's concerned about the inner city, it tells you the details of what created the hood, what creates some of the problems there. And there are interesting interviews with people like Sister Vanessa Russell. <laughs> so, so please. Pick it's that an up. honor. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. thank you for including me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, just great work. And 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 get his other two books. So go to his website. It's Rev R E V Harry H A W R Y Williams W I L I A M S dot U S. Also, in the next couple of uh, months, we want just want you to save the date. October 1st, there is a BAATC ambassador training from 10 to 12 p.m. Check your uh, check our events calendar on loveneverfailsus.com for more information on when that is. Also, October 4th, there's the, uh, the Hearts of Hayward Volunteer Recognition Lunch, and we are going to be celebrating one of our volunteers, Janae Shepard, who is also a faithful servant at New Hope Christian Fellowship, and she... Um, oversees the Feed My Sheep ministry, which is a homeless outreach in in Hayward every Tuesday evening. Um, And so we're going to recognize her along with all of the Hayward city of Hayward officials. November 3rd, we'll be presenting at the Northern California Safe and Healthy Schools Conference, um, which is a multidisciplinary team um, with with representation, of course, from LNF and also La Clinica de la Raza, Oakland USD, um, West Coast Children's Clinic and and Heat Watch and UCSF's um, Children Hospital will be participating. Participating in that. That's 945 to 1115 in Berkeley. Also, um, November 5th is the Three Strands Global uh, Break Free Run. Um, it's a 5 or 10K at Lake Merritt. Please do uh, save the date and look at their website to uh, register for that for that uh, run. And lastly, on November 8th, we hope to be uh, participating in KFAX's uh, Pastors Appreciation Luncheon, and we'll have a table there. And so we want to encourage you to uh, come out and, and, and uh, take a Take a, a a look at some of the resources that we have at our table and ask us some some questions and just you know just have some dialogue with us. We do appreciate you listening. Also, I want to invite everybody who's listening to be one of the million ways that we fight human trafficking by um, donating one dollar a month. I mean, uh, we, we we had it at four forty dollars a month previous, and we were told that's just too much. It's it's difficult right now, so we reduced uh, our campaign down to one dollar a month, and you can sign up to be 
be a partner with us in, in fighting against human trafficking by going to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash million. And if you don't want to use PayPal, just want to mention that you can go right on over to our Razu app that's also on the same page and you can donate $12 a year. How about that? Hey. <laughs> All right. We are so grateful to have you on. Um, thank you so much, Les and Reverend Harry, mm-hmm. for being on. We appreciate you. Um, we're praying for you. And look for more from both of these awesome men as they take on the fight for human trafficking. And of course, if you haven't heard it from us here before, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. Our audio engineer is Jarrell Martin, and this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still escape our eyes. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.